Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, post-match. Yannick Sinner versus Holger Runa, ATP Finals 2023, round robin. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in three, two, one. Sinner wins it, 6-4 in the third. He is 3-0 as he heads into the semifinals in Turin. And with the win, he denies Holger Runa a spot in the semifinals. Instead, it is going to be Novak Djokovic, the world number one. I'm going to start with Sinner, and then I'm going to get to Holger at the end. Sometimes I bounce back and forth or go through the match chronologically, uh, but I'll tell you right off the bat, that's how I'm going to structure this. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Yannick, but it, it has to start with the mental and the window we got into Sinner's mentality and his competitive drive. You can take the Novak Djokovic thing out of the equation in this conversation, or you could include him in the conversation, right? Obviously, yes, if Sinner wanted to knock Novak out of the tournament, he had the power to do that. But in reality, anytime a player is contesting a dead rubber in an ATP Finals, regardless of what's happening in the rest of the group, you have questions about how hard they are going to compete. And in this case, you just... There was no way to know until you saw it. Now, I had an opinion. I, I did think that Sinner was going to come out here, compete really hard, play well. Uh, I thought that would be the case because he wouldn't want to lose to a rival who he's 0-2 against in Holger Runa, right? You don't want to be playing at the Australian Open and you're 0-3 because you didn't give it your all uh, at in an ATP Finals match like this. I also think he takes pride in giving a sold-out arena in his home country uh, a positive show and a victory. Obviously, you know, a television audience in Italy on in prime time, I'm sure he understands like how how much kind of joy he's bringing uh, to his home country with this run in Turin. Uh, there's the rankings points. There's the prize money. I think it's really hard when you step on the court in a high stakes match like this if you're a competitive guy, to not give it everything, all right? So that's why I expected him to give it everything. And he did. But then there was some stuff that popped up in this match that would have given Yannick a lot of really good excuses to take his foot off the gas or to lose his composure or lose his, his will and his drive to win the match. First of all, there was a physical issue. In the second set, especially. And we can get into more detail, we will later, about how it may have affected the match. But that's where it's hard to start. It's hard to not think about 
the situation that you're in. If you're Yannick Sinner and you start thinking, man, I better be careful here because I don't need to win this match. I want to be 100% for the semifinal. So let's take it easy. He didn't really do that though. He didn't even call the physio and he just worked through it and it seemed to go away. But that was one moment. I'm like, okay, here's a test. Sinner passed that test. And then there's the fact that emotionally, this must have been an excruciating match for Sinner when it comes to just the, the scoreboard dynamics because he kept getting close and he kept coming away empty-handed on these Runa service games. I can put this in a, in, in a stat. The stat to look at is total service points. Okay, Runa had 109 total service points. Sinner had 84. And yet, this match was four all in the third. Totally could have gone either way. Uh, and obviously what that stat tells you is on Runa service games, you're getting a lot of extended deuce games. You're getting a lot of 40-30s, um, etc. On center service games, you're getting a lot of holds at love, holds at 15. But, you know, the tennis scoring system, it can drive you mad because you don't get any bonus points for coming close. And certainly center was bearing the brunt of that and his signature composure came to the forefront where he was just so cool. I mean, I literally wrote in my notes midway through the third set, uh, mental composure from Sinner is crazy here because anybody who's played knows like that will drive you up a wall if you continue to miss opportunities to break serve. All right. Technically speaking, and I, I just think the composure is even more impressive given what we know about the circumstance, given that it was a dead rubber. Technically, I thought there were key, uh, three keys for Yannick. So I'm going to take you through those three keys. And the first one is return depth. Throughout the match, I was noticing hmm, when Sinner gets a look at his second serve return, he tends to plaster that thing right on the baseline. The consistency of the depth is just remarkable. Uh, and there were a lot of returns deep up the middle that were paying off for Sinner in a very noticeable way, especially on the second serve looks, but also occasionally on the first serve looks. It's just a lot harder, uh, especially with the way Runa was serving. Uh, but on the second serve, he held Runa to 41% second serve points one. This is another one where I'm thinking, okay, I have this observation. How, like, how can I turn that into a stat just so I know that my eyes aren't deceiving me and also so that I can share it with you guys? Well, the stat I want to look at to showcase the aggressive returning is how many return points are won within four shots. Usually we look at service points within four shots because that's serve plus one. The plus one is the third shot, and then you get one more. Um, but in this case, let's look at return plus one. 24% of Runa's service points were won by Sinner in less than four shots. If I take the same number for Sinner service points, how many did Runa win in less than four shots? The number is 12%. So it's 24% versus 12%. And yes, that stat is muddied by a couple of other outcomes. Say you get a double fault. Say you get a return of serve that isn't deep at all, but... Uh, one, you know, you get an easy unforced error on the plus one on a short ball, um, or a lot of serving, you know, you get a serve and volley and, 
you get the point. There are other things that can happen, but I think the majority of that subset is about how many errors are you forcing off the return or how many winners are you hitting on the fourth ball to follow up your return. And this was especially, you know, I wanted to make this the first key, especially because it came up in the mat in the game that ultimately kind of swung the match, which was the four-all game in the third set, where Sinner put three returns within a foot of the baseline, three of them. And two of them drew an error outright. And then the third one was the break point where, uh, you know, Sinner was able to take control of the point off of that return. He ends up hitting a big forehand inside out approach shot from behind the baseline. Whenever you hit an approach shot from behind the baseline, you're in danger of having to deal with the low volley from around the service line area. That's what Sinner got. And he hit, he hit one of the best volleys I've ever seen him hit uh, to get this break. There's also a matchup thing here. Because obviously always Sinner wants to, anybody, any player wants to hit a return deep. Depth is good. But I think against Runa, you get a little extra reward. And here's why. Um, Holger pretty much always keeps the green light on the plus one. When I say green light, green means go. I just mean attack. He pretty much always attacks the plus one. And rarely, so rare, will he see a return and say, okay, too good, I can't attack it. That's not really in his mindset yet. Uh, and I think it would help him to, to actually develop that. Uh, what many will do, right, if Sinner hits a second serve that is kind of coming at your feet, what many players will do is abbreviate the backswing, slow down the racket, Try to hit deep, maybe back up a little bit, and get ready to defend. That's what most players will do. Runa doesn't do that. He does not abbreviate the backswing. He does not slow down the racket, and he does not move back. He just tries to hit that big half volley from the baseline. Uh, and he misses it a lot because it's a really tough shot to pull off. He's, he's also really good at sometimes making it, which is why I don't have a problem with him going for it, you know, when he's up 30 love or he's up 40 love, uh, you know, or, you know, when he has some cushion, but if we're playing the percentages here, it's not a, it's not a high percentage shot. And that's why I think Sinner also got extra reward for the depth on his return against Holger. Um, so I mentioned the second serve points one for Runa at 41%, big contrast to Sinner who was at 60%. And uh, I give a lot of credit to Sinner's body serving on the second serve, averaging 102 miles per hour. So uh, he brings a lot of pace. And this is something that he's done to Alcaraz really well also. When you have a player who's trying to be uh, early and aggressive on the second return, as Holger wants to do, uh, yeah, the, the best play, especially if you're not on clay and you can't, you can't try to kick the ball um, as effectively. You got to try to jam. Because you also don't want to hit close to the lines on a second serve. You risk the double fault. Uh, best thing to do, body serve, jam them up. I think he did that very effectively. Uh, another key point here, 3-4 in the third set. Break point. It was the only break point that Holger had in the third, but... Uh, let's face it, if he wins this point, he probably wins the match. He served for it at 5-3. Uh, 
He got jammed on his backhand hip and he was trying to go down the line. When you get jammed and you go line, yeah, you usually miss it wide. Uh, and that's what happened on that second return. Albeit, uh, or granted, Sinner did make most of his second returns. Sorry, Runa did. So it's not as if, you know, Sinner was constantly getting Runa to miss second serve returns. I do think, though, Holger just couldn't be as offensive as he wanted. And when you get jammed and you're trying to take the ball really early and you're inside the court, well, now you're not in good defensive position either. So uh, Sinner gets that plus one ball to attack an out-of-position Runa uh, behind his second serve, which is a great thing for Sinner. Sinner has a different approach. He is much harder to jam because he stands further back. And the reason why... Yannick is totally okay standing a little bit further back, I think, is he he trusts his weight of shot. He knows that, uh, and by the way, Holger hits the ball huge. So I wish Holger did this sometimes. I think he should have made that adjustment and moved further back because he Holger crushes the ball. Um, but Sinner knows that he doesn't need to take the ball super, super early to do damage because he hits so big. Uh, the last key, the third key for Sinner, uh, was the volleying. He was selective coming forward. This wasn't a match where he was, like, really emphasizing the net rushing. At least it didn't seem that way. But when he did, he was automatic. It was very Rafa-like. That's, like, that's Nadal's approach to net play. Let the baseline aggression make life easy at net. So that when my when I actually do come forward, the volleys are super easy. Now, you still have to be a good volleyer to operate at the efficiency that Sinner operated at, uh, which was net points one, 20 for 23, 87%. You still have to be a very skilled volleyer to be that good. But point is, he just had like, an unbelievable ability to be efficient and finish off the points from winning positions because he was hitting great approach shots and clinical finishing volleys. And that stat tells you all you need to know. Very different from the Runa stat, net points one, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, actually, let's talk about it now because we can transition to Holger Runa here. And uh, we can talk about first what changed because Sinner, he dominated the first set. And then after the first set, it was a much different match. So what happened early in the match, first uh, first four or so games, was, uh, look, Runa was very aggressive. And he stayed aggressive. But the difference was in the first set, his aggression was uh, just not executed well at all. There were a lot of poor forehands. There were a lot of poor volleys from these aggressive positions. And I actually did the tracking because it was three love after the first two games. Uh, sorry, that's impossible, isn't it? It was three love and it was too many breaks. And I was thinking to myself, after the three love, I was thinking, what happened here? Because it seems like Sinner hasn't really done much. Like, it seems like Runa has been the one in attack more often than not, and he's just losing the points. So I, I went back and I looked, and again, this is there's some subjectivity here, but to me, Runa was attacking on eight of the 12 points that he lost, most of them. 
And, you know, that includes a couple of uh, points where he didn't even have a chance to be in attack because center hit an ace or a service winner. So, you know, he was very aggressive and he just, the forehand wasn't there inside the court and he made some mistakes on the volleys too. And he was getting passed. Runa in the first set, 0 of 5 at net. Again, sometimes it was the approach, sometimes it was the volley. But then he, he fixed it. He was 13 for 19 the rest of the match. And then another thing that was happening in the first set, because Runa was kind of shooting himself in the foot with issues executing offense, Sinner felt so comfortable, and he wasn't missing. He just wasn't missing because he knew that there was no reason to miss uh, until Runa raised his level. So Yannick made only three unforced errors in the first set. As soon as Holger started to find his range and attack and you know, started to make Sinner feel more uncomfortable um, to start the, the second set and certainly also working the point a little bit more because he was getting to a position where he was able to go, you know, five, six shots without missing. As soon as that started to happen, Yannick started to press and he was not so consistent for the rest of the match after the first set. Like Sinner has played cleaner especially in the last two months or so since the U.S. Open, where his performance has been just on another planet. Uh, this was, you know, second set and the third set. Sinner was not unshakable in terms of the baseline errors. And that, you know, that is somewhat of a credit to Runa uh, because he got Sinner to feel like he had to do more. But there were some major positives for Holger, you know, besides executing a little bit better in the second and the third set from offense. I don't think I've seen seen Runa hit the first serve as well as he did all year long. I feel like in the third set especially, he really found his range on the first serve, and it was just getting him out of jam after jam after jam. Another thing is the Holger forehand. I feel like that's a positive. I thought that was good in the Djokovic match as well. I'm starting to see that Instagram forehand. Those of you who, some of you might remember me saying this earlier in the year when I was watching Runa and I was thinking like, where is the social media forehand? When Runa posts himself training, he, he's hitting the forehand Mach 11 and then he comes out in, in the match and it's it's slow a lot of the times. And believe me, the the year-long Hawkeye data shows that, that Runa's forehand speeds can actually get very, very slow. But uh, I think here in Turin, I'm seeing him with much more success uh, just deliver good ball speeds off of the forehand. And another thing is nobody hits their forehand down the line more often than Holger, I don't think. That's something that I would love to see what the Hawkeye data suggests because uh, yeah, he, he doesn't really like to hit it cross nearly as much as he likes to hit it line. It really tests the righty backhand. And when Sinner had that physical issue with the lower back late in the second set, it was clearly the backhand that was affected. The movement was totally fine. Serve was fine. Forehand was fine. But not only did the backhand performance go down the tubes at the end of the second set for Sinner, but also, when he was missing these backhands, every time it was right to the back. Like, he would always miss the backhand, grab the back. Um, so it was pretty clear to me, the evidence was pretty clear that that was the shot that was affected. And uh, you look at the 5-6 game in the second set, Sinner made three backhand unforced errors in a row 
to go down Love 40 at 5-6, the game that Runa ultimately broke to win the second set. So I, I think it was a, a good matchup in that sense where actually, in general, I think it's a, it's a good pattern for Holger because Sinner's running forehand, Sinner's forehand out of the corner, much better than Runa's forehand out of the corner. So for Runa to break that up by just taking his forehand down the line constantly and making Sinner hit his two-hander, that's a, that's a good baseline pattern for Holger. Uh, that's, I don't know if that's him doing it because he's playing Sinner. I actually don't think it is. I think he's just doing it because that's how he likes to hit his forehand. But it just so happens that against Sinner, it's a, a good tactic in the head-to-head. All right, lastly, it was good to see Holger's fitness uh, hold up well past two hours in this match. There are more conversations to be had about this topic. I'm not going to have them now. Uh, Monday match analysis, I'll basically assess all nine players in the competition, and uh, we can throw around, toss around this interesting topic, which is Sinner's, uh, geez, Runa's fitness. But for now, I'll just leave it at this. The legs appeared to be well uh, well under him for the duration of this three-set match. So that's all I got. Um, really fun match. Super entertaining match. And uh, semifinals are will be set tomorrow, and I'll have more post-match analysis. Uh, certainly of the first match, we'll see if I do the afternoon match. If it's a dead rubber, I won't do it. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.